Rip City, Portland, Blazers Nation. This is Jack Winter. I'm your Portland Trailblazers beat writer for Clutch Points, and this is episode six of Talking Trailblazers. And a lot has happened in the world of Rip City basketball since last week's show. Unfortunately for the Blazers, none of it's all that good news. Unfortunately, the biggest news is Nasir Little undergoing surgery today, February 1st repair the torn labrum in his left shoulder and he will miss the remainder of the regular season. Portland had previously announced that he'd be out indefinitely but confirmed yesterday, that's Monday, that Little would indeed was indeed bound for surgery and will be sidelined for the rest of the season. That's obviously a huge, huge blow, not just for the Blazers as they fight for positioning in the play-in tournament and maybe, just maybe, still have an outside chance of getting that six seed, but also just for Nasir Little himself, and we'll dive into the ramifications of his injury, uh, the progress he made this season, and what his future could look like in Portland in the first segment of the show. That is what we'll be focusing on. And in the second half of today's show, we'll discuss the Blazers' biggest need at the 2022 trade deadline, and why I remain of the adamant adamant, I want to underscore that, adamant belief that Portland must trade C.J. McCollum or Yusuf Nurkic before February 10th. As good as they've been, as good as, as good as those guys have been over the last couple of weeks to help Portland do a 500 record in January, uh, especially given the context of C.J. just returning from six-week sideline due to a pneumothorax and Nurk suddenly becoming a major focal point of the offense. Uh, even so, their limitations of the limitations of McCollum and Nurkic have still been exposed uh, a bit over here over the last, over the last couple of weeks. So that's what we'll focus on in the second half of the show. But first, let's do a quick rundown of a very busy week on the floor for the Blazers, which again, didn't go too well in terms of wins and losses, at least if you're still holding out hope for play and positioning instead of extra lottery balls. Portland's one and four week began with a last second home loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves in a game Anthony Edwards absolutely exploded late. The Blazers had the chance to win it on an, af- an off-balance, well-contested three from Anthony Simons as time expired, but he airballed. And that was the culmination of some rough, rough struggles for Ant in crunch time, uh, including multiple turnovers, too, on the other side of a not another side of a late timeout from Chauncey Billups against Minnesota's pressure defense. And then he also allowed the game winning bucket to D'Angelo Russell on a, uh, just a straight line blow by to Russell's left hand. That was really honestly tough to watch. And Billups even criticized after the game. So rough game for Ant there, but um, unfortunately he was also unable to rebound uh, a day later in Portland's 132-112 loss to the surging Dallas Mavericks. Uh, and more than anything else in that game, the Blazers were just sorely missing both Nasir Little, who sustained that shoulder injury against Minnesota, and then Robert Covington, who missed the, who missed the Dallas game with just a minor injury. Uh, Dallas racked up a whopping 35 assists in that game, just carving up. Portland in the half court. The Blazers' lone win of the week came on the road over the lowly Houston Rockets, a 125-110 victory in which Simons, McCollum, and Nurkic each scored more than 25 points. That game was most marked by great Blazers ball movement before Houston made a late run, and that's when Chauncey Billups decided to clear out the floor and let C.J. McCollum and Anthony Simons mercilessly target Garrison Matthews uh, in pick-and-roll uh, 
evolving into isolations at the top of the floor, and they really, really put on a show playing one-on-one basketball. Portland followed up their lone win of the week with back-to-back road losses of of the wildly disparate variety, giving up 130 points and a 14-point loss to the Chicago Bulls. Then yesterday, Monday, scoring just 81 points and an 18-point loss to the lowly Oklahoma City Thunder. Billups, again, was far more peeved by the loss to Chicago, lamenting after the game that Portland simply didn't play hard enough. Now, he didn't offer that same critique following the loss to the Thunder, instead praising Portland's effort while focusing on its season-worst 7 of 38. I'm going to repeat that. 7 of 38 shooting from beyond the arc. As backwards as Billups' response to those losses seems, given the quality of competition, the Blazers will always have trouble winning when shooting 18% for three especially with Damian Lillard out, and even against a tanking team like Oklahoma City. Okay, that's our quick rundown of the Blazers last week, one that could very well inform how they approach the February 10th trade deadline and the last two and a half months of the regular season. But for now, we're going to take a quick break, then we'll come back to discuss Nasir Little's injury. Thanks for listening to Talking Trailblazers. We will be right back. We're back. This is Talking Trailblazers. And the main focus of this week's episode is about some of the most depressing news Portland has had in a really unfortunate season, and that is an Asir Little season-ending shoulder injury. The injury occurred with 8.04 left in Portland's hard-fought loss to Minnesota on January 25th as Little fought for a loose ball in a fracas. He was left writhing in pain on the floor as Minnesota gained control and gained control of the ball and ran the other way, and the Blazers eventually take, took a foul to stop play. Nas walked off on his own after being seen by team doctors and wasn't even really favoring his shoulder as he was walking off the floor as if it was separated or dislocated, and he even came back to the bench and was cleared to return to the game after just a few minutes in the locker room. Joking on the post-game podium that he initially overreacted to his injury, fearing the worst uh, as he as he felt that sudden surge of pain in his left shoulder. Now, Little sat out Portland's loss to Dallas a day later, with Billups saying he was day to day. But the next day, on Thursday, the Blazers announced that an MRI revealed Little had suffered a labral tear in his left shoulder and that he would be out indefinitely. The immediate expectation was that his injury would be season-ending. But the Blazers didn't confirm that until the next day when they sent out a press release saying he was indeed bound for surgery. And as we're recording here, the Blazers actually sent out another press release saying that Nas had undergone successful corrective surgery for a torn left labrum in his shoulder. And that was performed by the renowned sports surgeon, Dr. James Andrews. Now, if you've watched most, if not every Blazers game this season, you know just how deflating it was to learn the extent of Little's injury. He's been this team's lone consistent bright spot since the season tipped off, more than living up to Billups' preseason challenge of playing with relentless energy, activity, and just overall competitiveness. Those first few weeks of the regular season, when the when the Blazers consistently, the Blazers starters, I should say, uh, just came out of the gate consistently lacking energy and focus. The Blazers starters indeed weren't playing with much fire, but it was extra obvious because Little's demeanor stood in such stark contrast to theirs literally every time he took the floor. Nobody on this team came close to matching Little's competitive drive this season. If the Blazers had done it regularly, there's no doubt they'd be sitting much higher in the standings, even amid an ongoing rash of injuries. 
Let's dig into the numbers a bit on Little's breakout third season. He'll finish the year averaging 9.8 points, 5.6 rebounds, and 1.3 assists in 25.9 minutes per game, and those are, of course, all career highs. He also shot a career-best 58.4% on two-pointers and 33.1% from three. And actually, that last number is somewhat disappointing, considering Nas shot 35% from three last season and didn't up his volume or rate of pull-up attempts in 2021. 122. For the most part, his triples were of the open catch and shoot variety coming in the flow of the offense. Probably better looks than any regular Blazers three point shooter got, uh, with the possible exception of of Robert Covington. Though again, I would say I would say Littles were of a, of a more quality look. Uh, Littles three point attempts were of generally better quality than Roko's, but. Uh, his marginal decrease in three-point percentage is pretty much the only area where Little didn't show significant growth this season. His 57.5 true shooting percentage is comfortably above league average. He shot an elite, elite 67.9% at the rim and even went 11, 11 of 20 on twos outside the restricted area, but inside the paint, a small sample that speaks to his improving touch on those little two-footed floaters he likes after driving closeouts, often going left. It's a really impressive shot for a player of, uh, of his size and, of his size and uh, athletic profile. The Blazers were 5.6 better with him on the floor this season, third best on the team behind Nurkic and Simons. That's per cleaning glass. They were 2.7 points better offensively, and they surrendered 2.9 fewer points defensively. And that's a really a tidy encapsulation of Little's two-way exploits, especially with respect to his teammates. Damian Lillard said it multiple times this season. No one else on the roster can give the Blazers what Little can, and we saw that reality play out in real time in far more games than not this season. Amazingly, Nas is still only just 21. He doesn't turn 22 until February 11th. Obviously, he still has ample room to grow, even after establishing himself as a surefire rotation player this season. What makes his injury most dispiriting is that it comes as Little was playing the best basketball of his career. Nas was averaging 13.1 points per game in January, while shooting over 40% on more than five three-point attempts per game. He had 20 points and eight rebounds against Minnesota before going down, matching the Wolves' impressive length, athleticism, and, and energy on the wing. Little had already turned a corner this season. It seems he might have even been turning another just as his season was ended prematurely. Here's what Chauncey Billups had to say about Little's ongoing evolution following Portland's win over Washington last week. Yeah, man. Yeah, Nas too. I mean, uh, another one, just just growing up, man. Just growing up. I mean, taking advantage of his opportunity, of his minutes, um, continuing to develop, you know, um, with Nas. You know, everybody knows he's a really, really hard-playing guy, which is great. But my challenge to him has been, okay, now we know we're going to do that every night. That's off the table. We're going to do that every night. Now we have to start, you know, getting our basketball IQ a little higher so now we can think while we're playing hard because the great ones can do that. And he start, he's doing it, man. He's doing it. He's understanding coverages. Offensively, he's doing a better job of knowing when to shoot that kick out or when to catch it and drive it, make a different play. He's just doing it, man, and it's just fun watching it. 
Now, obviously, Nas isn't going anywhere. Go ahead and pencil him in as a starter at forward for Portland next season. His injury doesn't change that at all. But what it does change is the possibility of a contract, excuse me, contract extension this summer and his potential role with the Blazers going forward. Just think, what if Nas had continued expanding his offensive game over the season's remainder, showing off increased skill and processing speed while tasked with doing more with the ball? Even if those strides wouldn't have made him more likely to sign an extension, they certainly would have clarified his optimal role for Portland going forward. It's a massive win for Little and the Blazers at large that that's the question being asked right now. We already know he's worthy of major minutes on the wing. The next step for Nas is figuring out if he can be a true stopper on defense and anything more than a glorified play finisher on the other end. Considering the immense strides he took this season, it would be dumb to rule out those possibilities entirely, and you're not going to see me doing that until we have a larger sample size for Nas. But at this point, Little's ultimate destiny seems like a good team's second starter at forward, the type of ultra-valuable wing who can function in multiple roles and variable styles on both sides of the ball. He hasn't shown the consistent on-ball defensive chops to be a feature all-defensive candidate, and this is probably his biggest deficiency, actually. He lacks the off-dribble shake and overall passing feel to be more than a fourth or fifth option offensively. But remember, we got to take those deficiencies in context. Nas was a major question mark before 21-22 tip off, and now he's an answer as the Blazers embark on an increasingly uncertain future. And that is what we will discuss in our next segment, Portland's big-picture approach as the trade deadline draws closer and closer. This is Talking Trailblazers. We'll be back shortly. This is Jack Winter for Talking Trailblazers. And for the last segment of the show, I wanted to discuss Portland's biggest need at the trade deadline. To be clear, Portland's biggest need and most likely move aren't all aligned. The Blazers are just about $3 million over the luxury tax line as it currently stands and will surely shed enough salary to duck below it at the deadline. Robert Covington is Portland's most likely player to be dealt for many reasons, uh, in large part having to do with you know, his position as a, as a four capable of protecting the rim on the back line. He's just been such a disruptive help defender, especially over the last month once he was uh, demoted to the bench. Um, for Larry Nance Jr., he's also been shooting the ball a lot better, even driving closeouts a bit and moving the ball uh, as Portland's offense has kind of found, kind of found its footing a bit um, in terms of its egalitarian approach without Damian Lillard. Um, so that's certainly one of the reasons why he's most likely to move, but also because he's playing on a $12 million expiring salary that should make him easy to trade in a salary dump. Jody Allen is a billionaire. The team doesn't need the extra $15 million or so it would save by getting, by getting below the luxury tax and then being subject to the largest distribution of tax payouts in league history. What the Blazers really need, of course, is to chart a new path forward. And the surest means of starting on it is moving McCollum or Nurkic before February 10th. The case for trading CJ was clear even before Anthony Simon's breakout started earlier this month. Portland's ceiling with Lillard and McCollum leading the way has been well established by now. And going into next season with McCollum still on the roster means the Blazers will have committed over 70% of the salary cap to he, Lillard, and Norman Powell. Factor in a new contract for Simons, bound to come in around $20 million a year at least at this point. And Portland would have about $105 million of the $119 million salary cap for next season committed to four 6'3 guards. 
$105 million of a $119 million salary cap committed to four 6'3 guards. That's about 90% of next year's cap. Clearly, something has to give here, and moving McCollum now would make it easiest for Portland to continue revamping the roster this summer. A similar, a similar dynamic applies to the prospect of trading Nurkic. Like McCollum, he was very good in January with Lillard sidelined, but don't mistake Nurkic's additional touches and increased per-game numbers as evidence he's actually ready to be a full-time offensive focal point for a rebuilt Blazers team going forward. Nurkic's 52.2 effective field goal percentage in January is actually just below league average, and Julius Randle is the only non-guard in the league who's season-long usage and effective field goal percentage match Nurkic's from January. Impressive as he's been beasting overmatched bigs on the left block over the last few weeks, Nurkic just wasn't very efficient, especially for an interior offensive hub. It's unfair to Nurkic to only focus on offense, especially when he's been Portland's defensive bellwether all season. The on-off data has grown even more favorable to him on that end since Trendon Watford was forced into the rotation as the Blazers' backup center over the last couple weeks. Still, pretty much nothing about Nurkic has changed since the season tipped off. He's still not a good enough post player to score efficiently or consistently draw double teams. He doesn't provide a vertical spacing threat in pick and roll. And finally, it's probably time to file away long-standing hopes of Nurk ever expanding his shooting range to beyond the arc. Impactful as he's been defensively in a system that doesn't accentuate his strengths, Nurkic still doesn't have enough defensive versatility to thrive against all manners and levels of competition. The bigger problem, though, like McCollum, Nurkic is a living embodiment of Portland's status quo, one that's been proven time and again is in championship caliber. Moving Nurkic could prove easier than moving McCollum given his $12 million expiring contract, but there are only so many teams who would acquire him as anything more than a half-season rental. Interim GM Joe Cronin and the Blazers' front office must, must be ready to accept trade packages for both McCollum and Nurkic that don't bring back equal value at least in terms of what they've meant to the, Blazers, to the Blazers over the last few years. But of course, that reality speaks to the lingering issue of a team built around Lillard, McCollum, and Nurkic. The latter pair just aren't dynamic or flexible enough on either side of the ball to fortify Lillard's strengths and mitigate his weaknesses. Portland needs to hit reset as soon as possible, especially with the prospect of a high lottery pick in June's draft looming. The best way to do it is to finally break up a core that just isn't good enough to win at this league's highest level, even if it means losing a trade. Now, we'll obviously know a lot more about the fates of McCollum, Nurkic, and the Blazers next week when a talking Trailblazers returns just a couple days before the deadline. Until then, you can follow all of my Blazers coverage at Clutch Points and at Armstrong Winter on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening to Talking Trailblazers. Stay safe.